0: Hi, you're listening to Supply Chain Radio. My name is Matt Gunn, joined today by Guy Cortan. Guy, how are you? Matt, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm getting ready for this year to end and looking ahead to the new one. It's the final weeks of December as of this recording. And for those of you listening, you'll either hear it at the end of the year, or beginning of next, or... Maybe two years from now, and this will be a really interesting time capsule, because we'll find out how wrong we really were. If you
1: have a slow sort of feed system into your podcast, it could be... Yeah, you know, this summer. is like, we have like
0: 120-something episodes of this show, so if you're... This'll be the best one. ...listening, and you started in the future, welcome to the end of 2017. <laughs> but... We do this. We find ourselves in a world at the end of the year where we reflect on what happened and we look
1: ahead to what will come. You know, one of these days we should do is like a July prediction for the next 12 months from there. Because no one else will be doing it that time.
0: No, I think that's the time to get to it. That's the time to do predictions. We line it up. We run on a different schedule. But for now. For now. It's like a new year's resolution. What are our predictions? Right. Let's just talk about it. Let's talk about a few things that have been buzzy. In 2017, or maybe that are picking up steam that yep. we expect to see in 2018. These can be technologies or business mm. cycles or whatever. we relate it back to supply chain and let's, Get our thoughts let's down. Go on it. Let's go crazy. Why, why not? So let's start with one that we heard a lot about a couple of years ago. Seemed to fizzle out. Yeah. But seems to be making a slow resurgence in our personal devices or in our homes, and that's going to be augmented or virtual reality. Oh. So what do you think? Is this going anywhere? Are we going to see it now become meaningful? whether you're in manufacturing or in retail as part of the consumer experience or as part of the experience of making and modeling products, something that becomes mainstream in the next year.
1: Yes and yes. And maybe that's an easy answer, sort of a cop-out, because it's been something we've been talking about. I think we talked about last year we did our predictions about AR and VR. And I think even before that I was talking about it before I came when I was an analyst still. But I I do think we'll continue on the path of of growing uh, presence of augmented reality, virtual reality. All we have to do is look at our personal devices, the iPhone X or 10 or whatever you wanna call it. Now, as we all know, unlocks itself if you show your mug to it and it recognizes your face and then it unlocks the phone. So we're starting to see consumer portable or consumer accessible technologies like the phones that we carry around with all, all the time, starting to put in place the hardware needed to do more things with augmented and virtual reality you look at gaming systems, right? I, because I'm you know, the father of the year, I went out and bought a PlayStation 4 over Black Friday. I keep saying it's because it's for my kid, but it's really because it's for me. But anyways, part of the reason I bought it is because they have a very good virtual reality functionality in games, right? So we're starting to see that come more and more into, into our homes already. So I think that, and, and it's interesting because I've, I've heard or I've started to hear more on the, the event circuit Other vendors and users talking more and more about AR, VR, not for the consumer, but within the four walls of their enterprise, right, for their supply chain, things of that nature. So I think, you know, we're going to see more of it. We see stuff like if you go to to guilt.com and you go to purchase sunglasses, there's a very poor man's version of augmented reality, which is – Use the front camera of your phone, takes a picture of your face, and you can air quotes, try on the different sunglasses on your face. It's not perfect. It looks kind of like Max Headroom at times, but anyways. Sure. So they- I mean,
0: Ikea is starting to do this, too, with their app, where you can now point your camera anywhere in your home and model what that piece of Ikea furniture will look like in right. the home, right?
1: Right. And so you get able to do a little bit of shopping before you even go shopping. Yeah. So I think we're going to see more applications like that. Part of it, because the devices we carry around with us, our phones are becoming more hard to believe more powerful, but the hardware in it is becoming more powerful. And I believe more capable of bringing some of this to our phones. So that's one step. I think the second one is because of this merger of online, offline, in-store commerce, more retailers from that perspective are recognizing, hey, we need to leverage this to make the experience better. And I think from a supply chain standpoint, more companies are realizing, hey, where does this fit? How does this help me train a warehouse employee? How does this help me train a store employee? How does this help me facilitate you know, the construction of a new factory, what have you? So we're starting to see pockets of use cases becoming more, more mainstream. So I think we'll see more of it this year. I think to your point, the buzziness of it has died down, but the practicality of it is increased.
0: All right. Let's move on to another one that Has been buzzy at times, at times in the consumer space, but perhaps more practically in the manufacturing space. And that's additive and 3D printing. Yeah. Additive manufacturing.
1: Additive manufacturing, manufacturing, 3D printing. You know, I think it's, you're absolutely right. It's been, it was very buzzy a few years ago. I mean, we even saw, or I even saw, 3D printing shops pop up. None of them lasted very long, but it was kind of cool when you were able to go in and see what they could do. And that was very, simplistic 3D printing. I think we already know about 3D printers. You've heard a lot of stories about people printing houses, you know, in an hour with 3D printing. Obviously, some of the uh, consumer product folks like uh, New Balance, Adidas, and Nike using 3D printers to make a perfect or a a much better sole of a sneaker for people. I've read somewhere, I think now, that all hearing aids are done through 3D printing because it's a more perfect fit, obviously, for your ear and your mold you know 3d printing of glasses i've even read somewhere where they're now able to 3d print prescription glass which is a huge movement forward so yes i think it's the buzziness has worn off i think we're going to start seeing much more of an impact on on our supply chains i think what's interesting about 3d printing is it changes everything from how we manufacture right so the old model of i offshore because it's less expensive to manufacture but it costs me more in terms of bringing it back to where my market is, now all of a sudden it's like, well, wait, if I don't have to manufacture everything in massive bulk in Vietnam or China or Bangladesh and I can do it here in New Jersey or in New York, you know, why don't I start doing that? So I think we're going to start seeing that become more at scale to do that. I think what's also interesting, the other aspect from the manufacturing side is the customization of 3d printing i was just going to say up. and even in fashion as well like you see the
0: adidas example the speed factory they just opened one in atlanta this year it's just starting to get up to yep. speed no pun intended yeah right but there is a lot of that advanced technology in there whether yeah. it is 3d printing they're starting to look at how they can print soles yep um to textile manufacturing weaving these new knits that give you the whole structure of the shoe yeah and that have become very favored by athletes because it it feels more molded to the athlete. It feels more right. custom. And, of course, you can now get it printed in the colors that you want within a very reasonable timeline. And it doesn't disrupt their process of manufacturing shoes
1: at bulk for mass customers. Also. Right. You know, we haven't even touched upon the life science supply chain. Right? You, you look at, you know, in the past, and that's still happening today, but from what I understand is like a knee replacement. Right? You come in and they, they have three sizes, small, medium, large. And whatever is closest to what your knee is like, that's what they're going to put in there or your hip or what have you. Well, now if I can take a mold or I can take a design of your body, your leg, your, your limbs, and I can 3D print that, my assumption is, and I'm not a doctor, I don't mean to profess to play one on TV – but is it better for your body to accept it? Is it is it less stress and all those things? I would assume, yes, if it's closer to what it's replacing. Right. Is
0: it improving outcomes, which so much of healthcare and medicine is, is about?
1: Yeah. And as we live longer, we're getting more of this stuff. And so I think we're going to see in the supply chain and manufacturing and retail and life sciences and all these spaces, spare parts management, 3D printing, I think, is only going to continue to play a role in our supply chain. I don't think it's going to have as much attention grabbing because it's not as buzziness. It's not new. But I think the impact I think we're going to start seeing in 2018 and beyond, that impact continue to grow.
0: Well, and from a consumer perspective, it is making a big effect on the ability to service those consumers or those businesses that are your trading partners or whatever, because you're able to get these things to them much faster, much more efficiently, much more tailored to the specific need. Those are all great things. We may not be putting replicators in our, in our homes yet. Not yet, but soon enough. We'll get there. <laughs> but right now, this is making the process of making things that much more closer to the consumer and that much more tailored to the consumer and a lot faster too. Yeah, a lot so. faster
1: and, and, and customized. So yeah, I think right. we'll see more value from that. So there's history. two things that we saw that we think are
0: going to become more prominent in 2018. Let's talk about trends in business itself. 2017, and we'll kind of dial this down to the retail space, but okay. we saw some pretty major moves yep. in the competitive landscape. One, and we all know this one, Amazon buys... Whole Foods Market, instantly, almost overnight. Well, at a cost of thirteen plus billion dollars, just a minor, spare change, small thing. Yeah, but almost overnight, building out a physical footprint that is now multinational. Yeah, with more than four hundred stores, with uh, grocery presence, and that Amazon could easily put more of its own products and services into. If it so chooses. If it so chooses, yep. But on the other hand, we have a physical retailer, Walmart. No longer Walmart stores, by the way. Just just Walmart. Walmart, If you pay attention to their stock listings. Going the other direction. Here's the king of retail. All retail in America. The biggest one around. Now, all of a sudden, they're getting very serious about e-commerce and online and about fashion. With the purchases of Jet.com. But no both. And mod cloth and moose jaw. Moose jaw. and some of these things are pretty niche. They serve as a very specific market. Yep. Others are competitive with Amazon in their premise. Say Jet. Yep. What does that mean? And will we see more consolidation like this, or will we see more
1: new businesses scaling up at hyperspeed? Well, this is a good one. So I'm first going to put the disclaimer: that these are my thoughts and views, and they are my own. Not you know, not by the uh, sure. podcast or the company we represent. But I do think it's an interesting time. I think the, the examples you provided, I think it's fascinating that, you know, I remember in the Wall Street Journal when Walmart bought Bonobos, it was the same day that Amazon announced buying Whole Foods. And guess, obviously, who got, you know. one owned that new cycle. <laughs> who owned that new cycle for a while. But it's still fascinating when you think about it. Here you have Walmart used to be number one, or I still think it is, maybe it's not, number one in the stock market, biggest company in the S&P 500, biggest company in the Fortune 500, the biggest retailer around who's now been pushed to the back pages in a way because of Amazon. And I think we're going to, to your point, are we going to see more of this? Yes, absolutely. I think 2018 is going to be some interesting times because I think the fundamental shifts in the way we look at these businesses is different, right? It's no longer stay in your lane, you just do this, right? You just sell you know, you're a mass merchandiser, like a Walmart, you just do that. No, you do that. But now you can, you need to add focused brands like a Bonobos, like a ModCloth, things like that. You need to add a jet.com because we're a new business model. So what do I see for for 2018? I'm going to put some, some bold ones out there. Some of these I think people have talked about. So it's not like this is me just really coming out of left field. But I think the underlying reason why we're going to say these, I think is why people should focus on them. So the first one, is I'm going to follow the track of Walmart. I think Walmart is going to continue to shore up its omni-channel, converge commerce, ambient commerce functionality. Walmart, as much as Walmart is sells anything and everything under the sun in their stores, Walmart I think is going to continue to pick off these niche or these focused, laser-focused online commerce players to build up their portfolio. So one could say, well, Warby Parker maybe. Sure, I don't know, maybe like a suit supply or Indochino, but that sort of follows too much the the bonobos model unless they want to build on top of bonobos. The one I'm gonna throw out there is they're gonna go out and buy like Casper. Right? They're gonna go out there and they're gonna buy one of these mattress specific players. Because I think what's interesting is you look at that space, it's growing. Why? Because hey, buying a mattress call a space bait is no It's unpleasant unpleasant it's expensive it's got really opaque pricing yeah and it's just like what is this and i think why will walmart do this because walmart in a way sort of a side note if you read some of the stuff about kmart kmart has said that they're gonna focus their stores on selling more mattresses and things like that if i'm walmart i'm like this i'm gonna kill kmart off once and for all i'm gonna go out and buy a casper mattress i'm gonna sell keep that business model. But oh, by the way, I also have massive showrooms everywhere that I can start using some of that if I need be. But I'm going to take that brand. I'm going to buy it. I have obviously plenty of money in Bentonville to do it. So that's my first prediction. of like Walmart is going to continue to build its ambient commerce portfolio by buying someone like a Casper. All right. There's one. That's one. So here comes number two. And again, this is not something that – Hasn't been written about from others and talked about, but I'm just going to throw it out there. I think Apple will finally find a way to buy Tesla. Now, okay, first of all, you say, how are they going to buy Tesla? Well, latest count, Apple has around $250 billion in cash, billion dollars in cash on their books. Just parked. Just hanging out somewhere. Like, what do you do with that? Like... Anyways, I digress. You know, just put that in index fund, and how much money you gonna make off? Anyways, so they have the cash now. Elon Musk has been out there publicly saying there's no way in bleep that Apple's gonna buy us. Well, you know what? If your valuation is about seventy billion, and if someone walks in there and says, let's just say Apple says, you know what, we're gonna go crazy, and you know, three x this and give you two hundred and ten billion for this, you know, I'm sorry, Elon. There's a price for everything. And, well, he has a lot of other focuses too, and he other has projects. Fo- right. So is this something where Elon says, wow, great. Yeah, I just made a ton of money for my great, 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 great grandkids to live on. But I've got other focuses. I want to go to the space. I want to do my Hyperloop stuff. I want to do more battery construction. This cash infusion lets me now take on the next cool project. And I'm Elon Musk. And that next cool project is I'm going to go to Mars in five years. Right. Apple
0: by Tesla not for the cars itself, but for the opportunity to get closer with technology. Exactly. Consumer, right? And, you know, everything in the world uses batteries now, and more and more things. Yeah. Tesla's building a ton of capacity in that space. So there's a lot of different ways that that would make a lot of sense for someone for in consumer
1: electronics. Right. And it really is all about owning this portion of a consumer's lives. And I think, again, it also goes to the fundamental note. It's not about Apple also buying Tesla because it's cool, cause it's a car. It's because. My take is at the root, both companies are focused on creating relationships with their consumers, building a consumer loyalty following. One does it through mobile phones and smartwatches and iPads and laptops and things like that. The other one's done it through a car. Simple things like they're both selling now through like a mall venue. Right? So Tesla's not even a traditional car manufacturer. So Apple doesn't have to go in there and be like, all right, stop going to dealerships, put your stuff in a mall. Like, no, it's already in the mall. Like, you go to a local mall, there's the Apple store, and two doors down is a Tesla store to buy the Tesla. So, I, again, you know, people have been talking about this, but I think at the fundamental layer why this is interesting from a supply chain standpoint, from a consumer standpoint, even from a retail standpoint, is because both companies are focused on the same thing. focusing on the consumer, building a network of consumers that they can sell through to that are loyal the device, meaning the hardware which they sell through, they don't care. It's all about that digital stuff in the back. So that's number two for you. Okay. And three. Three, I think what we're going to see in supply chain and probably more sort of in the consumer side is I do think we're going to start seeing more evolution of these focused players. I mentioned Casper. We mentioned Bonobos. Wafer would be one example, Warby Parker, right? I think we're going to start seeing more and more of these smaller insurgent retailers emerge from a standpoint of taking care of their supply chain first and sort of knocking that out and then becoming more of a true retailer, right? So, yes, doing the online thing first. Why? Because to me, it's like you figure out your supply chain first testing ground testing ground can i fulfill these orders can i take orders can i customize product can i have a niche experiential products that i can sell do people like it do people like it and if they don't can i switch off to something else quickly so i think what we're going to see is more of these players emerge in micro niches that are then going to call upon having in a way very precise bimodal supply chains to address each one of these needs. And then what I think the long-term play is probably beyond 2018 is a lot of these guys are going to look to be acquired. It's not about going out there and trying to IPO and be the next Macy's or Walmart. It's to go out there and have a Macy's or Walmart say, you're cool. I like it. I'm going to buy it. Here's one from
0: me and we can close it out from here, but I think this one kind of wraps up a lot of different aspects and I think it hits across manufacturing and retail, but the, Value is not going to be in the products you make so much as the services you sell, and that's only going to escalate next year. And we're starting to see evidence of it. There have been manufacturers that do this really well, right? The Eco Labs of the world, yep. the GE's of the world, the Rolls Royce with you know the engines. Right. They're not selling an engine; they're selling the outcomes. Right. Caterpillar is another one. They're using technology to do it. Things like the IoT piece where you're able to monitor usage of a part or a vehicle or a machine and then predict when it needs servicing or when it comes time to replace it and make sure that the uptime in service level is greater than what a customer expects and, of course, increase loyalty that way. I think that's going to grow. I think that because of the mobile devices that we carry, I think that because of those expectations in the manufacturing world that have been set. It's going to go the other way around. Usually it's consumerization that changes right. you know business, yeah. but I think that aspect of business we'll see more and more of. IKEA did this move where they bought Taskrabbit. Right. IKEA is not in the the business of assembling
1: the furniture. That's I mean, on very the contrary, clear. they're in the business of making right. it more painful to do, they make but it anyways. really hard.
0: But not only are they going to show you how it fits in your house, they're going to have someone come in and install it. Yeah. And that only makes their services that much more valuable to the customer who now doesn't have to try and read those diagrams. And, and that, funny, use that, that funny character right, that's always use that there. one little hex uh-huh. wrench. All of a sudden you get a professional who comes into your house who can do that stuff. I think you're going to see that in, in specialty home. I think you're going to see that with retail. Yep. Specific high-end clothers are going to provide more services tailored to you, the individual. And of course fashion is another place where it's going to become more about that. And it might even be a full subscription model. If you look at something like fast fashion where you know it gets knocked for its waste and its poor recycling track record, I think you might start to see some of the biggest brands build their sustainability track record by taking clothes back, yeah. and bringing it out to you, almost like a subscription, but also closing the loop on the supply chain and recycling those goods. I think that that's an area where more loyalty will be won than lost, and we'll see
1: more of. Yeah, I like that, and I think you're absolutely right. I think we're seeing more of that happen already, that people's mentality is no longer about ownership. Yep, it's absolutely. It's about owning, to your point, it's about owning the experience, the outcome, not the vehicle that gets me to that experience right. and outcome.
0: So few of us actually buy an iPhone outright. We buy the service from the iPhone. We trade it in next year. Right. And never have we actually owned, owned. the iPhone. But right. we do have the physical product. And, of course, what is its purpose to communicate and you know play Animal Crossing? <laughs> 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 so there you have it, folks. Well, those are a few predictions for 2018 as we look ahead. I think that these are exciting times, especially as technology
1: continues to drive more in business. Good stuff. And I think we'll go back and, and we would do this podcast again in a year.
0: Right. And if you're listening to this next year and we're totally wrong, then shoot us a note shoot at
1: scr.podcast at import.com. And if we're totally wrong and you want to be on the podcast to predict the following years, then we'll we'll have a raffle. Join us. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to Supply Chain Radio. And Happy New Year.